0: Welcome to the Guidelines Podcast. The following is a discussion with Yaku van den about customer journey mapping. Enjoy. Wonderful, uh, before we get into customer journey mapping, would you be able to tell us a bit about yourself?
1: I've been working as a UX designer for over 13 years now, and I've been leading design teams at various companies across corporate South Africa. Um, In that time, I've also completed an MBA at the WITS Business School back in 2013. So in around 2017, I decided to leave corporate life and I started up my own consulting firm called Sand Dollar Design. And we are an experienced design and product innovation firm. And my latest venture is mybloodtest.co.za. This is an online blood testing service where we're disrupting the pathology industry through a digital health platform. And through the platform, we try and improve a patient's experience around getting their blood and urine tested.
0: So one of the processes that come up when people are speaking about a user centered process is customer journey mapping. What is a customer journey map and at what point in the process would one go about using it?
1: So a customer journey map is a tool that's used very often in the design process and it's become quite popular over the last couple of years, probably the last decade or so within companies um, all across the globe. A customer journey map is essentially a visual representation of the customer experience with your organization. And it tells the story of the experience from the original engagement, um, when the customer first starts using your product or your service, um, all the way through the into a long-term relationship um, in the ideal world, or alternatively until the customer exits the process or stops using your product or service. And um, customer journey maps provide insights into the customer's motivations, as well as their needs and the pain points that they experience throughout the process. And we typically use a customer journey map as a strategic tool within organizations to help and create awareness and alignment across the organization. So many times when it comes to customer experience and getting people to actually rally together to improve the customer experience, the very first step in that process is to get more buy-in and more awareness about the current experience and what might be wrong with it, and also identifying opportunities of how you can improve the experience. And this is where a customer journey map is extremely valuable as a tool.
0: Okay, so it's basically a visual artifact that you would use to communicate the customer experience to various stakeholders within a project. Is that right?
1: Um, yes, that's correct. So um, a journey map really helps you to get a great understanding of all the different touch points that a customer can interact with your organization. Um, it also highlights where handovers might happen between different channels. So um, as an example, if someone um, is maybe working or they want to interact with a bank and they might open up their account by going into a branch um, or maybe over the phone, but they don't want to do transactions by going into the branch every time. So they might open up their account in a branch, but to do transactions, they might choose to use internet banking or a mobile app. Um, So there's definite handovers uh, between these different channels and it's important to understand where people choose to interact with for certain activities um, and also to make sure that you've got a consistent experience across these different channels. So um, journey maps also really helps you to identify the areas of the customer experience that need attention um, or that can be improved but it also highlights the areas that are actually doing well and that you don't necessarily need to focus as much of your attention on. So when you go through this process, it helps you to start identifying lots of opportunities for improvement. Um, And when you do this visual artifact called the customer journey map, it helps to really improve the way that you're communicating across your teams and it starts creating a, consistent understanding throughout your organization of where you currently are with your customer experience and what those opportunities are to improve the customer experience.
0: That really aligns with my understanding of what a user-centered process or what a, the role of a UX designer is within a team that's following a user-centered process, which is to educate a larger group of stakeholders and, and buy them into uh, buy them into building a product that facilitates a, a positive user experience. A follow-up question would be, Would, when creating a customer journey map, should you be evaluating the, the current state, uh, or should you be a, a designing for an ideal future state?
1: So there's actually many different perspectives that you can approach a journey map from. Um, so as you mentioned, one of those would be looking at the current state. And that's typically where you've got a lot of insights into what's currently happening with your customer experience. And ideally you would go out into the field and actually base these insights on real research. Um, So in the UX design process, we like to follow what we call ethnographic research, which is going out into the field and interviewing actual users and observing them so that you can really see what's happening with the current experience. Um, So that's the one perspective that you can do a journey map from um, and it's probably the most commonly used one um, and it's the one that really helps you to start identifying the current issues as well as what might be working well so that you can start prioritizing what needs to be fixed or changed uh, to improve the experience. The second perspective that you can follow is looking at the future state, Um, so this is something where you actually look ahead and you say, how are you gonna create the best possible experience without necessarily looking at your current constraints and at the current experience and the current pain points. So the future state is more of a visionary um, state um, where you're thinking about what's possible in the future and what are all the ideas that you have to improve the experience in the future. Um, And the last thing when you are doing a customer journey map is to also consider how detailed you actually go into the journey map itself. So do you look at it kind of at a high level um, where you're looking at kind of broad activities that the customer might do with your organization or do you go into the lowest possible level of detail where you're actually thinking almost like step by step, how does every single thing work? Um, So typically when you're doing strategic customer journey mapping, um, it's done at a higher more strategic level and you're not actually focusing on the very detailed like steps and small details but it is possible to also focus on that if you're really trying to hone in on one specific area and look at opportunities to improve that one area then you can go quite granular into the detail.
0: How much time would you recommend one should actually? spend on the customer journey mapping process and along with that, who should be involved in that process?
1: Um, In terms of the time that you need to spend on it, um, there's no strict kind of rule or rule of thumb around that, but um, I would say that to get together a good kind of draft customer journey map, you would probably at least need to spend a day out of the office um, where you've got a team of people um, all actually focused. For at least about six hours, um, so that they can complete the whole process. Um, and the people that you need to get together um, actually should come from different areas of your organization. So, this includes people from the design team, um, it includes people that have got experience um, working with the customers themselves. And so, it could be people from the front line, like your customer service representatives. Um, people from a call center, people from your retail channels. Um, you also want to include people from the technical side um, because they can also share a lot of insights into what's technically possible and what the underlying pain points from a technology point might be. You also want to include people from your business side, the product owners who are typically the people who design the products, who make up the business rules around how products should work, Um, because they also bring an important perspective and then you also want to include people from a compliance or a legal perspective. Um, So many times um, you might actually come up with ideas for improving the user's experience but there might actually be good legal reasons um, or compliance reasons why certain things have to work in a certain way. So um, if you bring all these people together and you co-create this customer journey map, um you should cover your bases quite well, and you'll also get all these people to contribute from the areas that they specialize in, um, and that will give you a well-rounded customer journey map. Um, but this journey mapping workshop is only one piece of creating the customer journey map. So um, as we go through what all the various components are of a customer journey map, you will also see that. Um, It's not everything in a customer journey map, is just sitting around and available to just quickly incorporate. Um, It should actually be based on a lot of research and a lot of insights, and to bring all those things together um, isn't really possible within a day, so um, a customer journey map should actually be more like a living document or a living deliverable that you're constantly updating and adding information to as the information becomes available.
0: And would this document be showed to stakeholders during meetings or would it be stored in a, a local place where everyone can find it?
1: Um, yes, all of the above. So um, the idea with the customer journey map is to make it nice and visual so that you can easily share it with people, be it in a workshop or in a meeting or by sending them an email um, link to it. Um, there's also various tools available that you can use and some of those tools you can actually send a link to the tool and people can just jump onto the journey map and go and have a look. Um, but other tools would actually be things like simply mapping it out on a whiteboard, um, taking a picture of it and maybe transferring some of the data that was captured on the journey map into a spreadsheet or PowerPoint, um, something like that.
0: Okay. so. Let's just say, for example, you've been working on the onboarding experience of an application and you've, in the customer journey mapping segment, you met with multiple stakeholders, you decided that there needed to be certain elements that made it into the design, before having that meeting with those stakeholders at a later stage, you could bring up that customer journey map that you co-created with that team and then show them how the customer journey map relates to that onboarding experience. Would that be a good way to go about it?
1: Uh, most definitely. So, um, one of the key things that um, is extremely necessary but that I actually see lacking a lot um, in the design process is that you should always be following a golden thread from your research to your analysis to things like customer journey mapping and then into designing solutions. So. Ideally, everything should be following the same thread. So if you find uh, insight in your research of a certain pain point, that pain point should then be included in your journey map and the solution to that pain point should then be included in your design that you're showcasing to your stakeholders. And if you take your stakeholders along with you on this process of design, which doesn't only include designing solutions or screens, but actually includes doing research, doing analysis, doing journey mapping, then you actually get much better buy-in into your designs because they can see that it's thought through and that it's actually based on data and on good analysis and good problem solving in your process.
0: Mm, Okay, on the topic of buy-in, how would you go about convincing stakeholders to join you within this journey mapping process?
1: so a lot of um people in kind of corporate setups have very limited time so if you just go to people off the bat and you say listen here we need to get your entire team together um so we need 20 people and they must all take a day or more out of the office to come and do journey mapping but they don't actually understand what it is and they've never been through this process um, you might find some resistance to that so um, a good idea would be to start on a smaller scale, maybe um, get a couple of key stakeholders to spend shorter periods of time with you. And you can actually break up your journey map into the different steps of the customer life cycle. And instead of doing the entire journey map, which typically takes at least a day to workshop, you could maybe spend an hour or two hours with a limited set of stakeholders and maybe do one of the steps Um, of the customer journey, Um, just for them to start seeing the value and as people start seeing what the process does and how it actually starts eliciting the, not just the ideas, but also the pain points and the issues um, and how the process is really great at coming up with new ideas. When they start seeing that, then they'll start buying more into the process and hopefully also be more open to committing more time and more resources into the process.
0: One of the things I'm really learning about UX is about bringing people along with you. UX is not a, is not a superstar uh, discipline. It's a team sport. Uh, and I think so much of UX is being able to find ways to educate people in small, little tangible ways and then bringing them on a journey with you one of the things that you mentioned was that there are various components to a good customer journey map could you elaborate on that a bit more
1: okay so a customer journey map is normally laid out as a horizontal sequence of the different steps in the customer journey so what we typically start out with first is to horizontally at the top just add in all the steps of the customer lifecycle or what we call the customer lifecycle phases. So, although this might be different across different industries, um, it does follow quite a similar pattern uh, where you would typically go from the first step being awareness, where the customer learns about the type of service that you offer after awareness they would move into an explore phase and this is where they are now actually looking at the different options that they have so if it's a product that you're selling they might actually be kind of comparing your product to that of your competitors or exploring the range of products that you have on your website or in your shops Um, and then the next step in the lifecycle phases is the buy step so this is the actual transactional step where they either purchase the product or where they kind of buy into the service and once they've bought it or once they've kind of paid for the service there might be an onboarding process Um, so when it's a physical product it might just be the how do they start using the product or where it's a service you might have to onboard them in terms of how do they utilize the service and next we would move into Uh, what we call the use phase. And this is where they actually use your product or where they start consuming your service. Um, And in this phase, it might also include things like service or support. So if they don't know 100% themselves how to use it, they need some kind of support, it would typically happen in this step. And then the last step that we typically see is what we call a renew or a leave phase. So renewing would be where they are happy with the service and they want to continue using your, ser- your services or your products. Um, or alternatively, if they're not happy or they've, they don't have any more need for the service or the product, they would leave you as an organization. So those are the steps in the customer lifecycle that we would typically plot horizontally at the top of the customer journey map um, in this graphical representation.
0: You mentioned earlier that one of the ways that you could buy in, stakeholder, potentially get buy-in from stakeholders, is to take one specific aspect of the customer journey map, simplify it down and do that with them. So based on what you're saying here, could someone take, say for example, the the buy phase or the awareness phase and just focus on doing that specific phase with your stakeholders? Would that be a useful thing to do?
1: Most definitely. So especially when you work with larger organizations, you might actually have very different teams that are responsible for these different phases in the life cycle. Um, so I've worked with large telecommunications companies and banks in the past, and they actually have entire teams of designers and developers and product owners um, and business analysts who would literally focus on just one step of the customer lifecycle, such as the awareness phase or such as the servicing and support phase. So you could definitely have a very detailed workshop with one of those teams around just one of those steps. And when you look at something like a bank, that servicing and support phase is actually massive. So that's where all the transactions and things like that would happen. So with a bank, for example, you might even break up that servicing and support stuff into different kind of sub-steps, like transacting versus getting help for a
0: problem. Mm, Okay, so it depends. Depending on the, the stakeholders you're meeting with, you choose different aspects that you can work on, and you can even go further in depth. So say, for example, onboarding, the way that you go through onboarding with the executives might be different to the way that you go through onboarding with the, the development team, for example.
1: That's right, yes.
0: Okay, so now that we've been through the horizontal axis of our customer journey map, which is awareness, exploration, buying, onboarding, service support, and renewing and leaving, what are the vertical steps? How far down should we go and what are those points?
1: Okay, so there's quite a few lenses that we apply to a customer journey. And those lenses um, are the things that you actually look at for each of those steps that we've just covered. So um, I'm going to cover quite a few aspects that we would consider as part of the journey mapping uh, process. And um, you then repeat all of these steps for every single customer journey um, phase in the life cycle. So the first one that we look at is um, actually just uncovering what is the detail of the process for each of those steps. So you would actually say, for example, in the awareness step, what is the process? Or how, how do customers actually become aware? So is it through word of mouth? Is it through advertisements that they see? Is it through you know, searching via Google? Um, so how do they actually become aware of their need for the product or the service? So the next aspect that we look at um, is what the different customer (coughs) needs are and what are the specific questions that they might have at that step in the process. So let's say you are in the explore phase um, and you are looking at different bank accounts. So you might actually then start asking, so uh, what would the customer actually need to know in order to understand these different uh, products that you're offering? So like the customer might think, okay, so I um, my need is that I don't want to spend a lot of money. Um, I want to clearly understand what these different accounts would cost me. Um, I want to know what benefits are included, um, so does it have a loyalty program? So you would start thinking around what would your different customers actually think at this point in the process and what are the typical questions that they have. Um, So the only way that you would really know those questions or the needs would actually be if you've spent time with the users themselves or if you have some kind of artifact that you can take into the journey mapping workshop. Um, And the the artifact that we most commonly would refer to here is called a persona. Um, A persona is basically an archetype of your typical user profiles um, that almost depicts like a fake person who have the different needs um, of your user groups. Um, So those persona artifacts are very useful uh, to look at to help you to actually define what the different needs are Um, at these different steps of the customer journey
0: okay so during the what are the customer needs and questions section you could refer back to your user research refer back to these persona archetypes and within that section bring in questions that you picked up that your personas have asked or that they would ask based on their needs definitely so that's exactly what you want to do Uh, just to just to reiterate so with within So within the explore phase, you would be asking, what is the process? What are the custom needs and questions? Within the onboarding process, you'd do the same. What is the process? What are the custom needs and questions? So you'd be asking these same questions that you're going through now within each of those high level horizontal sections.
1: That's correct. So you're following almost like a formula for each of those customer lifecycle phases. Uh, So you go through them step by step per life cycle, and as you go through these steps, it will actually start triggering design ideas um,
0: as you go through the process. Okay, so after you've gone through your customer needs and questions, what uh, vertical steps did you add in there? Okay, so the next thing to consider is
1: what are the various customer touch points? So this, if you're looking at your current state, you would look at how do customers currently interact with your business? If you're looking at future state, You would say what are the touch points that you want to have in the future. But um, touch points are basically all the channels through which a customer can interact with your organization. And this can really include everything from your physical store, a call center, uh, things like email or messaging via SMSs or WhatsApp. It can include your website, your app. Um, It can even be things like uh, Ratings and review website where people are talking about your company to other customers. So, any touch point where someone can interact with that relates to your business, you can include in your touch points. So, the next um, aspect that we look at down kind of um, vertically on the left of your customer journey map is what are the experience metrics um, that is actually measuring the current customer experience. So a lot of organizations use things like net promoter score or customer satisfaction score or customer effort score to measure how well they're performing from a customer experience perspective. And a lot of people have these metrics as goals or KPIs that they need to do with their performance um, in their company. So uh, these experience metrics are supposed to indicate how well, the experience is going for your customers or how badly it's going. And in the ideal world, if you've implemented this, um, it's done at a level where you can actually say that I've got a good score in the onboarding phase, but I might have a bad score in the servicing phase. So it's if you can implement it on quite a granular level and what we call on a touchpoint level, um, you can then actually start measuring what the different experience is across the different activities that occurs across the customer life cycle. And then you can start seeing if it's going badly in a certain area versus well in another, you can then start prioritizing where do you actually need to spend more time, more effort, or more budget to improve the
0: experience. All right, so you're making sure that you're, within each stage of the customer life cycle, that you are making sure that your that you have a system for judging the experience ahead of time
1: that's right yes so um, a lot of bigger companies actually invest a lot of money into customer experience improvement platforms but um, it's really just a very fancy word for they've got measurement of the customer experience which is typically done through surveys Um, So, it's like when you go to a website and you've done something and there's a little survey thing that pops up and it says, how likely are you to recommend our service to a family member or friend? Um, Or they ask you, how easy was it for you to do this today? Um, So those surveys are customer experience metrics. and. If you start measuring that across all the various touch points of an organization, you start getting a nice picture of what the different experience is across those different touch points. Okay, so this leads kind of into the next lens that we're looking at the customer journey map with, which is what are the biggest pain points at the moment? So. What you then start doing is you look at every phase of your customer life cycle and you say on this phase, so whether it's the explore phase, the buy phase, the sales phase, the service phase, what are the key pain points that the customers are experiencing at this point? So again, this should be based on data and it would probably also correlate if you do have experience metrics, it will probably correlate with the lower scores or the bad scores from your experience metrics. Um, So your pain points are typically the things that frustrate your customers the most or the things that are not working well. Okay, so the next lens we consider is what are your competitors doing in this space? So for your awareness phase, what are competitors doing? For your explore phase, what are competitors doing? For your servicing phase, what are the competitors doing? And uh, what you should do here is to really start doing a lot of research around your different competitors and seeing what are the good things that they're doing in terms of the experience and what are the things that are not so good that you don't want to repeat. So the idea isn't that you come into a customer journey mapping workshop and then start thinking about what competitors are doing and not doing. Um, There is actually an activity as part of the user-centered design process that we call a competitor review or competitor analysis. And this is where we go and evaluate the different competitors against a lot of criteria so that you can really accurately measure and see what the different competitor experiences are. So the idea is that you bring the key insights from that activity into the customer journey map and you then start putting, like let's say you've identified that competitor A is the best at marketing. So you can then include their ideas from a marketing perspective in the explore phase, but you might see that competitor B is actually much better at the actual onboarding step. So then you take the ideas that you've identified from competitor B and you put those into the, into the onboarding phase of the life cycle.
0: Okay, so basically you're casing the joint and you're looking for ideas that you can apply from your competitors in your design.
1: Definitely. So, um now when it comes to a great experience, you probably want to at least match your competitors or do something that's better than them. Um, and many times uh, what you can do is to not only look at competitors directly competing against you, But you can also look at other industries um, to get ideas of what you can do to improve your experience. So when people are, for example, searching for products, um, so let's say you've got a search function in your website or maybe in your app, people don't compare your search function, if you're a bank, with other bank search functions, they actually compare your search function with Google because that's the best search company that they know of and that they used to. So you also need to consider across different industries and not only your direct competitors.
0: Okay. So basically in this phase, you're trying to understand what the the best known processes for uh, any given uh, step within the customer journey. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. So the next
1: thing we look at is what are the different barriers that are actually prohibiting you from creating a good customer experience? So this is where we start thinking about what are the things from a cost perspective that's stopping you from creating a certain experience? Are there any laws or legislation that might prohibit you from doing certain things? Um, Are there any compliance aspects? Or maybe there's technology barriers. Um, So you might have great ideas of stuff that you want to implement, but it's not always possible from a technological point of view to do that. Um, So this is where you also need the different people from other teams to be able to come in and share those perspectives. So someone from the technology team might be able to share what the technological barriers are and what's possible with the current technology. And someone from the legal or compliance team will help to see if there's certain laws or things that prohibit some of the ideas from actually being implemented.
0: Okay, so you're bringing in multidisciplinary team members to make sure that your designs are grounded in reality and that the stuff that you're trying to design is going to actually be able to be built in the end.
1: That's correct,
0: yes. Okay, so we've been through competitors and barriers. What comes after that? Okay,
1: so we also try and identify throughout the entire customer um, journey What are the key moments? And uh, there's a certain model called the moments of service, moments of intimacy, and moments of truth that can help you to identify those couple of key moments across the whole life cycle of your customer engagement. Um, So I'll explain each of these um, in a bit more detail. So the first one is moments of service. And moments of service are basically the minimum expectation that a customer or a user of your services might have. So let's say as an example, if you are a mobile phone customer and you want to make a telephone call, the moment of service for you would be that if you dial a number, you actually get connected and you can speak to the other person. So moment of service is almost like a hygiene factor when it comes to customer experience. Um, If you don't get the moment of service right, there's a massive negative downside to the experience and it's likely that the customer will hate you or leave you as a company um, and probably badmouth you with other customers. So, moments of service is critical to make sure that your basic services and products are actually working as you promised. Um, So, it's very important to know what your moments of service are across your customer lifecycle and to then make sure that you've got things in place as an organization to ensure that those moments of service are working properly. Um, So that would be things like if you're using technology to provide the service, to make sure that you've got certain service level agreements, that your software will actually be working 99.9% of the time, Um, so it's those things. The next thing is moments of intimacy. So moments of intimacy are those one or two key moments across a relationship with a customer where if you know some of the more kind of personal information that you use that to actually create a better relationship with them. So without getting too creepy, um, the idea is that you do things like if it's the person's birthday that you would actually wish them a happy birthday Um, If you know, for example, a person is married, that you would actually ask about their wife or maybe about their kids. Um, So it's almost like when you've got a human relationship with a friend or a family member, you're just actually asking them out about themselves and building a relationship. Um, And with these moments of intimacy, um, there's typically not a big negative downside if you don't do moments of intimacy. But if you do moments of intimacy well, you can actually have a massive positive upside in terms of the customer experience. So, if a person walks into a bank and um, they're not expecting the person servicing them to know that it's their birthday, but they actually say, happy birthday, sir, I hope you've got a wonderful day and I hope you have a wonderful year ahead, then it would positively surprise them and it will really create a strong emotional connection with not just that person, but actually with the company. Um, but it is
0: important not to do it in a creepy way because otherwise it could uh, backfire and become a negative thing. So basically you're looking for, you're basically looking for moments to gain trust with, with your customers? Um, yes, yeah, so it's basically um,
1: trust um, as well as just being relational with them. So it's almost being a little bit human and having an interest in them as a person.
0: So more than just uh, another number more than just trying to get something from them you're trying to give something back okay
1: exactly and the last level is moments of truth so moments of truth um, are the one or two key moments across the entire customer life cycle that almost defines the entire relationship so it's for example, when you've purchased a new MacBook and you're actually opening up the box, and you're setting it up and you open up and you've got that first kind of onboarding experience. Um, that's probably the moment in that whole life cycle of the customer where they've got heightened expectations and they're really looking forward to this moment and they just want to start getting stuck in and using the MacBook. Um, so. In every service or in every product, there's those one or two moments that the customer's got these heightened expectations and you need to absolutely make sure that those moments are working well and that there's just like these little extra touches built into those moments of truth to make sure that it's a positive experience. Okay, so now we're going to get to the very last step in this process of uh, putting together the journey map. And this is almost the culmination of all the hard work that you've gone through with each of these steps across each of these different life cycle stages, is to start putting down design ideas. So the reason why you're looking at what the pain points are, what the competitors are doing, what are the needs of the customer, is so that you can actually start triggering ideas for how to improve on the customer experience. So the last step in this process is to actually start putting down the thoughts and ideas of how to do that. So as you go through all these steps of the process, it should actually be triggering design ideas. Um, and what you can do as you go through the process is to get people to start documenting or putting those ideas down on sticky notes or writing them down somehow so that they can share them at the end of this process. And this list of design ideas then can become like a backlog for your future um, requirements or future ideas that you wanna implement to improve the experience. What we don't do in the customer journey mapping exercise itself is to be too critical about the design ideas and to start saying that, yes, we're gonna do this one, but no, we're not gonna do that one. Uh, We're trying to create this as a more of a creative session. where you are getting a lot of ideas out and you don't want to criticize them, Um, so it is important to actually facilitate this um, quite well and make sure that everyone shares their ideas that's been triggered through all this hard work that you've gone through up until this step.
0: Okay, so now that everybody understands the the process, the customer needs, touch points, experience metrics, pain points, competitors, barriers, moments of service, intimacy and truth, you bring all of that context together uh, to help bring design ideas to the fore from all of the uh, team members that are there okay so now that we understand both the horizontal and the vertical parts of a customer journey map we've been through all the different points in depth if you if you google customer journey mapping you'll find a ton of different results that come in front of the screen there'll be uh, user journey mapping customer journey mapping journey mapping they'll I've even seen uh, wireframing that's come up, it, It's the, the, the waters seem a bit murky. Why is that and why is there a lot of confusion between the terminology and, and why have buzzwords popped up?
1: So, um, I think customer journey mapping is a very popular kind of phrase that gets thrown around in the business world um, lately and it's really grown in popularity over the last decade Um, As you've seen things like customer experience management or customer experience design also becoming more popular, Um, service design has become very popular, so um, I think one of the key things when it comes to the terminology and these different buzzwords is to just make sure that you've actually got a good understanding um, of what it is that you want as an outcome and to make sure that you're using an appropriate tool to achieve that outcome. So a customer journey map is really a specific tool that you use. And as I've described, you follow this process to essentially come up with ideas of how to improve the user experience. Um, Some of the other artifacts and activities that people do, which they might be calling customer journeys might actually be much more detailed design kind of artifacts or activities. So, I think the key thing is to, if you're dealing with a stakeholder and they request that you do something like a customer journey or a user journey, is to first make sure what it is that they actually want. Maybe even show them an example and double check if that is their requirement. Because there is some confusion, unfortunately, in the field, and it's our job to help and make sure that we're actually doing the right thing to solve the right problems for our stakeholders.
0: And you've done a great job of that today. Yaku, thank you so much for joining us on Guidelines. If people want to get in touch with you, what would be the best way they go about doing that?
1: So um, I am on LinkedIn and on Twitter, and my company's website is sanddollardesign.co.za. So people are welcome to reach me through that as well.
0: I'll add that in the show notes. Yaku, thank you for your time today. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you so much for listening. If you learned something from this episode and would like to hear more episodes in the future, please subscribe and consider leaving a comment so that other people can find this content. If you have any questions and would like me to answer them on an upcoming episode go into the show notes where you can find a link to my twitter page where you can ask me any questions that you have or even leave a voice note using the link in the show notes thanks for listening and don't forget to keep the user right where they should be first